here and I just want to call this week that's coming up the week of the high rollers because we're not playing these little itty bitty games between teams that uh, you know small totals bets these these are high totals this week and are you ready for that I think so I mean I mean we're gonna find out I guess yeah this this slate is gonna be a lot of fun just like from a football perspective from a DFS perspective to watch these offenses roll I mean we have what five games of the 50 or more implied uh or not implied rather a team total uh Vegas total over that so it's gonna be high flying should be a ton of fun for tournaments I'm excited to break it down because there are five games like you mentioned that are over 50 uh if somebody asks you, and I get this on Twitter all the time, is this a good play? We usually just say, probably. I mean, I guess you can play them. You really, so many people are in play. The question is, is what kind of combination are you going to have? So um, let me just be really clear. I We get a lot of screenshots, and we're not big timers at all, but it's really hard to give advice when we find screenshots on like Thursday or Friday uh, of just like, could I play this guy? Could I play that guy? Like, you could really almost play anybody in those games. So that's 10 teams right there. And then there's some other games that we really like, like Cleveland's has a huge implied total over 30. There's just so many different plays this week. And so we kind of want to break it down for you, but any quick overarching thoughts before we get into our cash plays? Uh, I think that that's a, a big talking point on the show, or at least in tournaments. Like how do you, how do you go about like sifting through all of these plays that are all good but I really think this week, more than most weeks, and this kind of sounds silly to say because it's always important, but roster percentage is going to be crucial this week in terms of where we project uh, our opponents to play, where we should be playing. And there's going to be a lot of chalk out there, and some of it's not going to be good. Some of it will be good. And I think really being able to kind of use roster percentages this week in tournaments is going to be crucial because, like you said, there are so many good plays that project at a pretty similar level at relatively similar price tags on both sites that there isn't going to be a lot separating these plays. So finding out what our opponents are doing is going to be really crucial. I just did my first run through and I ran a couple of those by you before the show and I'll tease a couple of those roster percentages on this show but if you want the full roster percentage report it is in the DFS pass please do not play DFS blind that's like a a word of caution for those like you don't want to drive blind why would you want to light your money on fire and uh and play blindly so uh that will come out Friday afternoon I refine it again on Saturday night Bets and I get to talk through some of those and then Sunday at lock uh, we like to have those to kind of make sure there's players like, I don't know, Trey Sermon last week. We need to zero him out. Uh, plays like that, that that come up at the very end. So if you want to be a part of that, go to the DFS Pass, DFSPass.com, and use the promo code DFSPOD if you want to get a good deal, save some cash. Uh, we'd love for you to be a part of that. So let's get into our cash picks. Straight cash, homie. On Tuesday, we walked through our cash lineup last week, and the process this week, I would say, is a little different in the sense of we can't just say, I need two or three high-priced running backs and then just find a bunch of cheap wide receivers. The slate doesn't set up that way, and that's what's so fun about DFS is you can't use the same strategy 
every single week. So we're going to walk through our favorite cash game plays uh, before we talk about the stacks and the GPP that we like. So, uh, Betts, why don't you give me at quarterback? I mean, the quarterback you have is the one that I have in my cash lineup right now as well. I think he's going to be the most popular on the slate. Yeah, I, I almost certainly think he will be. And it's Justin Herbert. And it's really hard to poke any holes in the spot for Herbert. We're going to talk about that game as a GPP conversation in a second. But I mean, Tom Brady just cooked this defense. They seem to not get better at all over the offseason. And now we're talking about a defense that is going to miss two of their edge players on defense, one to injury, one to COVID for Dallas. So the offensive line should be able to protect him beautifully. I mean, he's got Keenan Allen. He's got Mike Williams. He's got our boy Eckler out of the backfield. Like it's just, it's the highest total on the slate. They have a huge team implied total. It makes a ton of sense for Justin Herbert in cash games. I, I have some thoughts and I'll save them when we talk about our stack attacks and ways to use Herbert, but I think he's the safest play at his price. Tom Brady's $200 more on DraftKings at 6900 We mentioned on Tuesday that's kind of an egregious low price. Like this guy should probably be 7500 especially in the matchup against Atlanta. So I like Tom Brady. If you really wanted to go really far down there, I don't mind Baker. They have a 30 implied team total. And then last thing I'll say on FanDuel, Kyler is mispriced at 8700 which sounds like a lot, but FanDuel's pricing is kind of all together. So I would say those are our consensus quarterbacks. There's definitely other guys that we'll talk about with GPP, but those are kind of our consensus. But at running back, there's one name that's going to be the most popular this week. Yeah, running back, the most popular is going to be Najee Harris. He's going to be the highest rostered player at the running back position, I think probably across both sites, especially since he's cheaper on FanDuel than he is on DraftKings. He is 6,100 on FanDuel, 63 on DK. It's just too cheap for a player who literally played every single snap for that offense like Benny Snell played the same number of snaps as you and me Kyle last week a total of zero like this is his backfield and for a player that you're going to get that much work against a defense that we saw the the Ravens succeed in the run game against the Raiders you think the matchup's a little bit easier things could go better for Najee this week so yeah he's too cheap for his role on both sides so let's let's have that conversation because I'm sure lots of different podcasts and sites are going to be talking about Najee Harris on FanDuel like I'm going to eat the chalk, especially in cash, because that is just that's egregious that he would be 6,100. Uh, he's going to be 25, 30, maybe even 40 in double ups. Like he's going to be way up there. But at that price, you're not asking him to do the same thing as if he was 7,500. So I'm personally eating the chalk in cash and I'm going to do it on both sides. And I think a lot of people will. You might be moving with a herd like we talked about, but in GPPs, what is your stance on Harris? Yeah, it's, I mean, anytime a player is going to be that popular, and it always depends on the field size. Like if this, if we're talking about a hundred man tournament, like I'll probably still play Najee Harris. But if we're talking about these massive fields where, you know, it's thousands and thousands of people, like any player that we know on a Wednesday or a Thursday is going to be more than 25% rostered. It's only going to get worse as the weekend goes on and people kind of start to, you know, open their phone apps and figure out who's who. And, and these are the plays. So in tournaments, I don't have a strong take yet. I, my lean is underweight relative to the field, but I'm with you in cash games. Like I'm definitely gonna be playing Najee Harris. Realize that a lot of people's roster constructions in tournaments are going to have Najee in there. And maybe they have a piece from the Raiders. Maybe it's like Najee and Waller um, or Najee and your boy that you're going to bring up later, Hunter Renfro, your best buddy. <laughs> uh, if you have a construction like that, a lot of other people will. So if you wanted to pair Big Ben with Najee and another Steelers receiver, you're at least getting different in how you're constructing your lineup. 
And you're not just saying I have a typical Najee 25 plus percent plus Waller, who's another, you know, 18% or so. So you're just trying to get different there. And I just needed to mention that because Najee is is the guy this week. This is Najee week. And uh, I think it's okay to eat the chalk. Uh, the other high price running backs for us, I have Kamara as my top cash game play. Do you feel like there's a difference? I mean, I know the price is $1,100 between him and CMC. Do you have a lean right now? I mean, with that price difference, I'll probably have Kamara because there's a lot of wide receivers that I want to play in cash. So I think I'm with you that for me, Kamara would be my top cash running back. Now, that said, I have nothing negative to say about Christian McCaffrey. He's still underpriced, which is silly to say because he's 9,900 on DraftKings. He should be north of 10K. So, yeah, I mean, you're getting two players in one. We talked about it, and I know the guys talked about it on the main show. Like, he finished as the running back one. He didn't even score a touchdown last week. Like, that's how involved he is. So, until they price him north of 10K, he's going to always be in the, in the uh, cash game conversation for sure. But right now, Eileen Kamara, given the price discount. Uh, a couple of FanDuel plays I'll mention before we go to wide receivers. Kamara is the exact same price on FanDuel. And Betts and I always say, if somebody is cheaper or they're the exact same price on FanDuel, that means they're a good value. So Kamara on FanDuel. And Austin Eckler is only 7K on FanDuel as well. We will mention him in a second and uh, how to construct GPP lineups. But we like Austin Eckler a lot. But this week is full of wide receivers. And wide receivers in the kind of, I wouldn't call it middle tier, but like, middle to upper tier that's like still relative of value when you consider that these are good alpha type wide receivers so who's the uh who's the chalk wide receiver this week dude it's our boy it's keenan a week man come on this is keenan allen's week i mean dallas we know what they are on the secondary we know he absolutely dominates the targets with justin herbert under center this has the highest total on the on the entire slate He's just too cheap. He's 7,000 on DraftKings. And what his skill set is, is full PPR. He's going to dominate. So, yeah, right now I have him in there. I wrote below in the show doc that he's a cash game lock for me this week. I'll probably, in every in every format that I play cash, head-to-head, 50-50, double up, he's in my lineup. So, yeah, love Keenan this week. He's going to, in double ups, like maybe hit 30-something percent. But I'm okay with it because of the safe volume, because of the PPR. Uh, but Keenan Allen's going to be the, the name that people are talking about. And that's okay. CeeDee Lamb is too cheap as well. He's 6,400. We'll go through that game, but love CeeDee Lamb. Chris Godwin, 6,600. Antonio Brown. I cannot wait until we talk about that Atlanta-Tampa Bay game because Antonio Brown, I'm fine in cash and in GPPs. Um, guns up. Let's do it. Uh, let's talk about some cheapies, though, because I think I think some people had some issues last week. They were like, uh, I guess I go Elijah Moore or Marcos Calloway, but then like, where else do I go? There's some better options this week that I would say are safer and we still like their prices. So who are the cheapy wide receiver cash options? Yeah, let's start with the Buffalo Bills receivers, not named Stephon Diggs, who, of course, is always a great play. But we're talking about Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders. Beasley is 4,600 on DraftKings, Emmanuel Sanders all the way down at 4K. And really what this comes down to is the fact that those guys are seeing a ton of volume and will see a ton of volume all year. We talked about it with Josh Allen being my quarterback in cash last week. I was just like, they're going to throw on every play. And that's exactly what we saw. And for Beasley, he saw 13 targets last week. Manuel Sanders saw eight. And if you're going to see that type of volume for a team that's going to run three wide receiver and four wide receiver sets almost every play, I mean, those guys are running around on every Josh Allen drop back. And so, yeah, they're safe, especially in PPR. Um, you don't need them to do a ton as far as hitting uh, a huge ceiling performance to pay off their cheap price tag. So I like both those guys this week. If you're going to get in 
you know, Kamara or CMC or, or even Dalvin Cook, let's throw his name in there. Uh, and then you want somebody like Keenan Allen, CD Lamb, Chris Godwin, like if that's one of your receivers, you're probably going to need a player in Beasley's range. Uh, Tim Patrick's the exact same price for the Broncos now that Jerry Judy's out. He's 4,600. You like Hunter Renfro a lot at 3,600. That's even further down. So we love at least one punt play in your roster every single week. Like punt a wide receiver, punt your tight end. Uh, those are kind of the safer PPR options. But any last thoughts on wide receiver? I mean, I don't know that I would say I love Henry Renfro. <laughs> he's your boy this week. He's your boy I mean, this week. Yeah, I just threw him on here because he's cheap. He's 3,600. They're taking on Pittsburgh. And it feels like a difficult matchup. But as underdogs, we could probably project Derek Carr to have to throw the ball a lot again, like he did on Monday night. And yes, it was the Darren Waller show, but Hunter Renfro led Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs in production. Like he was the team's top performing wide receiver, not including Darren Waller. So nine targets on Monday night, six for 70 in full PPR at 3.6K. Like any stat line close to that is going to work just fine. I think the cash line is going to be a little bit higher than it was last week. Like last week it was in the 125s like that that's actually pretty low if we're honest where the chalk was so if you can get a couple of ppr wide receivers that are cheap that can get you 10 points like you are you are cooking and so i like renfro on fanduel dk metcalf cooper cup i mentioned them on the tuesday show but please put dk metcalf in your lineup at 7k uh it's stupid all right two more cash positions tight end Tight end, Darren Waller is the name that's going to carry a ton of weight because of what he did on Monday night. And on FanDuel, I will eat the chalk at 7K. But let's talk about some other options this week. Who do you like at tight end? Yeah, I like Noah Fant. He's 4,200 on DraftKings. I don't know how much you guys need us to go into detail on this, but they're playing the Jaguars, and now there's no Jerry Judy in the lineup. And obviously, he's one of very few tight ends that can actually create after the catch. So that's really exciting as far as you know his cheaper price tag. And then as well, one name I'll throw out, if you're really look, looking to punt the position, go way down there. Uh, Mike's boy, Adam Troutman, he is 3K on DraftKings. There was some concern about you know the foot-ankle injury and would he really be the, the leading tight end for this team? And I know he didn't catch the touchdown. It was Juwan Johnson, but he had a 26% target share last week and actually out-snapped Johnson 52 to 12. So he was the dude for the Saints. And, you know, at 3K, you're not asking a lot of him to get there in cash. Troutman's our boy. He's on our big dog team. And uh, for underdog, just so you guys know, just boasting a little bit. We were boasting our guys. Betts and I have a big dog team together on underdog. And uh, let's just say we ended up first after Darren Waller went bananas. So big dog teams looking up. One week out of 17, 18, like we're. Run our way, dude. Dude, our team's in first in that division. We're going to have such a terrible week this week. Thanks for saying that. I know. (laughs) It's going to be terrible. Uh, At tight end, I like George Kittle. I always like George Kittle, but I like him because Waller will be more popular. Tyler Higby at 4,100 is a great cash game uh, tight end. He was on the field 100% of snaps last week. Like They were cooking last week. He just didn't see as many opportunities as he wanted because... They were so far ahead of the Bears. So I like Tyrell Higby, and I'll mention Dallas Goddard at 4,600, kind of that middle tier uh, if you like them. And then quickly, defense, give me give me two teams. Yeah, I mean, if you have the salary to get up to these two teams, it's Cleveland against Houston, and then it's the Patriots against the Jets. Uh, I mean, Zach Wilson got sacked, what was it, six times last week. Mekhi Becton, their left tackle, is out. 
I mean, Bill Belichick is going to make life miserable for Zach Wilson on Sunday. So if you have the salary up to those two teams, they're obviously an option. And then as well, our cheap defense, I guess that I don't know that we'd like, but they're in play because they're so cheap. It's the Jets down there at 2200. Yep. We don't like the Jets. We don't really care for their defense, but they're so cheap that it just doesn't really matter at all in cash. Let's talk about some stacks. Stack attack. This week's stack attack is brought to you by Clifford Timothy Kingsbury. And I wanted to bring up Cliff Kingsbury's name because we'll talk about that game in a second. But man, the Cardinals last week ran away with that game. And it's actually got me excited to talk about them as like a viable, like the Cardinals hit the under way more than we thought last year, like way more. Their game's disappointed. And if they're going to play like that, if we're going to get other options like Christian Kirk, Chase Edmonds, like I'm excited to talk about Cardinals stacking this year. So we'll get to that game in a second. But I wanted to give Cliff Kingsbury some props because I didn't, I just thought he would screw it up. Did you, what was your feelings on Kingsbury coming into the season? Quite frankly, kind of not the best coach in the world. <laughs> I mean, last year was was miserable because Kenny Drake would just get the ball at the five yard line. He would run up two yards, hit his lineman, fall down, do it again, and then do it again. And it was like, Cliff, come on, man. You got Kyler, you got Hopkins, like be creative. So it was good to see that in week one. Hopefully it continues, but I would be lying if I said I didn't have a little trepidation about that after just one week. So we're going to talk about that game in a second. And four, we're going to talk about four games really that we like for stacking purposes. But before I do that, there's an interesting quirk this week that all four of these games are actually in the afternoon portion of the main slate. Like all of them are are there. So does that change at all what we do? Because a lot of people are going to be making DFS lineups and like, I have no points, you know, through the early part of the day. Does that change your strategy about late swap? Uh, How would you approach that knowing that like the big totals are all in those afternoon games? Yeah. Like you said, I mean, that's going to basically push all the roster percentage to the most popular plays in the late slate. So one thing that you could do to be contrarian this week is try to find a game stack or two that you like in the early window. And basically that'll give you access to information, essentially. Like, let's say you wanted to stack, for example, uh, the Bills and Dolphins or the 49ers and Eagles. Like, they all have decent totals. You could do that. And it gives you a lot of information about, this is how my team is doing, but I know all my opponents have their points waiting to come with these popular plays later. So if your team does well early you can go ahead and play those chalky plays in the late slate and if your team does poorly early on then maybe you just you know swap on to less popular guys in the late slate and that's really how you use a late swap to your advantage just because basically you enter the late slate with information that no one else has basically now that's perfect so let's profile this first game it has the highest total of the week on the main slate it's the dallas cowboys at the los angeles chargers Chargers are three-point favorites, and this game has a 55 total. The Chargers have almost a 30-point team implied total. So we like this total. We like this game. I got curious, bets. I got super curious. I looked at every single game over the last five years that had 55 or more. I wish I had a 55 drop in front of me, but a 55 total or more, okay? There were 41 of them. I think that's a pretty good sample size to work with over the last five years. Here's what I found. In those really high total games, 18 of them hit the over, 23 hit the under, okay? And that's a lot of our research I think we talked about in the offseason that these high total games, like it hits under more than you would think. On top of that, of those 41, all right, 71% of the favorites won, okay? So in that instance, the Chargers would be a favorite. 
And then the last thing that I found was this, that whoever was the winning quarterback in these games, so he's either Dak or Herbert, the winning quarterback averaged 289 passing yards and 2.6 passing touchdowns. So with all that information about games and 55 and over totals, how would you approach this slate? I mean, it sounds a lot like we should be playing Justin Herbert in cash. <laughs> That's what it says to me. Um, it, it also is one of those things that I think a lot of our opponents will think that this is the game that is guaranteed to be, be the best fantasy environment on the slate. And I think on paper, you could say it is that. However, like you've said with the research that we're looking at here, like, you know, more often than not, the game hits the under. So is there a scenario where this disappoints a little bit? Yeah, possibly. So um, I probably will create a couple of GPP lineups that doesn't include a lot of the chalky plays here, or at least doesn't go full game stack to get some leverage on the field. Now that said, I still definitely want a lot of Dallas, a lot of the Chargers, et cetera, like we talked about in cash. So uh, what are your thoughts on that research? What are you going to do? So these are the two most popular quarterbacks in our roster percentage report. Like by far, Justin Herbert's the most popular because his price is great. And Dak, we just know that in terms of pass attempts, like he's just going to just chuck it over and over and over again. Seems like they'd be in a negative game script. I think the way that I would approach this game is saying, okay, how can I involve Austin Eckler in the game? Uh, How can I find one piece that allows me to get leverage? So it's actually okay if you said Herbert, Eckler, and Allen. Like that's, that's actually fairly chalky. But on the other side, instead of just saying, I just want CD Lamb, you're saying I want CeeDee Lamb and Cedric Wilson, or I want Amari Cooper and Dalton Schultz. Like you're basically trying to mix in a couple other options here that at least gives you an out because I think points will be scored and Allen just feels so safe. But we're not searching for safe in a GPP. We're like searching for the top outcome. And so Mike Williams, I almost hate that he did really awesome last week. Like he had 12 targets. But right now he's coming in at about five, six percent. Like that's low enough to be able to play. Oh, yeah, especially on DraftKings. Uh, I don't love his price there. So it's almost one of those things that like you kind of spend up on him, even though, you know, you shouldn't because the game environment is so good. And he's such good leverage on Amari Cooper, on uh, CeeDee Lamb, on Keenan Allen. He is going to be way down there in terms of roster percentage. Like you said, seeing him around five, six percent across the industry. So, I mean, we know Mike Williams has these huge games and. The tricky part is that you know when you count on him, he disappoints. So <laughs> I don't think I'm playing him in cash by any means, but certainly in tournaments, I love him in this game environment. I mean, you could go Herbert, Eckler, and say the touchdowns flow through Jared Cook. Like Jared Cook catches two. Eckler is the one that's catching the passes you know, out of the backfield. Like there's ways to get different here. Only play Cook, by the way, if you're going to play Herbert. Like there's no point of playing Cook by himself. He's cheap enough on DraftKings. Uh, and then on the Cowboys side, if you wanted to go Dak... And then double stack him with two receivers. I think that's totally fine. How are we approaching Zeke? Because his price dropped a ton. He's only 6,200 on DK. Yeah, I did a little market research on my own to uh, to see what people would do. I, I just tweeted out the picture, the headshot of him on DraftKings with the salary. And I just said, I'm sorry, what? And everyone kept replying like, cash game lock. He's such a good play, all this stuff. And then I also asked people on Twitter, I said, I'm running out my cash game picks in the DFS pass. Who's in your lineup this week? And I got a lot of replies for Zeke. So he is going to be popular. And and it's a great tag on Zeke. So I'm not saying don't play him. I just think, again, you need to be mindful. If you are playing this game, understand you're not getting different by playing Zeke. Other people will do that because they see his, his cheap price tag. So if you're doing that, be willing to get different elsewhere in your lineup. 
or attack a different game if you kind of include maybe like a little mini correlation here if you don't want to go full game stack maybe you're going like a zeke and a mike williams or, or something like that yeah the most common pieces are going to be cd lamb and keenan allen and we're not saying don't do it but realize in lineups that have those two in them and you're not stacking you're not really getting ahead of the field because everybody's going to be playing Dak stacks and herbert stacks uh but i love this game man i can't wait to watch this one what's your vegas pick Dude, too many injuries. We've got the suspension with the offensive lineman for Dallas. I will take the Chargers. Yes, I will take the Chargers minus three. And like I mentioned, 71% of favorites, uh, they won over the last uh, five years and 55 plus total. So I will take the Chargers as well. Our next game is the Minnesota Vikings at the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals are three and a half point home favorites. This game has a 50 and a half point DraftKings Sportsbook line total. Uh, Cardinals have 27-point team implied total, and the Vikings have 23.5. It feels like the storyline kind of writes itself, like, oh, the Vikings disappointed. Kyler had five touchdowns. Seems like the Cardinals are just going to run away with this. Is that how you see this game from, like, a football perspective? I don't, actually. I can see this being a lot closer than we think. Uh, I think there's a lot of sharp money coming in on uh, the Vikings and from a Vegas perspective, they opened up as four and a half point dogs. It's now down to three and a half. So people are betting the Vikings. And I think that that makes a lot of sense when you talk about overreacting to week one. Again, it's such a small sample size. And we saw Kyler Murray just absolutely go bananas. And then, you know, they lose to the freaking Bengals, <laughs> the Vikings. So I think there's a lot of negative negativity on the Vikings side. But I'm still really excited about some of the pieces in this game, specifically Justin Jefferson, who kind of let some people down <clears throat> last week. Yeah, if I told you that Dalvin Cook was going to be the, I don't know, seventh or eighth most popular running back, what would you do with that information? I'd be playing him in some GPPs, that's for sure. See, that's that's the key point. that I, I love that you got to just nail that. Dalvin Cook's a good play every single week. There's better. There's weeks where he's a better GPP play, and that's when he comes in lower. Same thing we say about Derrick Henry. So I like Dalvin Cook a lot as a GPP play. I feel like he's going to get lost in the shuffle. Uh, right now, like he's coming in with the same roster percentage like as Elijah Mitchell, uh, who's only 5K. So I would much rather roster uh, Dalvin Cook, even with that crazy price. But uh, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, they're both great plays. And it didn't change anything. Like the Cardinals secondary didn't get better. It just, they were put in a game script where they could kind of sit back because Ryan Tannehill and company just kind of fumbled things away last last week. So uh, how would you approach us from a stacking perspective this game? Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm not I'm not looking to play Kirk Cousins, to be honest with you. So if you are going to play this game, I, I think you look at Kyler and I think you look at one or two of his pass catchers. And obviously DeAndre Hopkins is a great play every week. We, we're seeing him around 10 to 15% across the industry, which is not that high for a guy who can smash. So I like that stack as well. And then, like you talked about, if this is the actual Cardinals offense, if this is what they're going to be, and granted, they're not going to be that good every week, but if that is what they're going to be as far as high upside, tons of pace, running four wide, like Rondell Moore and Christian Kirk, they're going to be under the radar again this week after being somewhat popular, at least in Rondell Moore's conversation last week. So I, I like that. If you if you want to double Kyler, that's great. And then pick one. Come back with Justin Jefferson. Come back with Dalvin. Come back with Thielen. Every one of those guys is off the radar in GPPs for a lot of people this week. So you don't have to overthink it and get too cute on the Viking side of the ball. Yeah, we liked 
the Vikings pass catchers last week. We said play both of them, uh, you know, mix and match, and it was Thielen. So uh, I don't mind going back to him, going back to Justin Jefferson, but the easy way to stack this game is to go Kyler, pick a Cardinals wide receiver, and then run it back with one of those Vikings ones, or double stack, like throw in Dalvin Cook, and and you're totally fine. I don't mind uh, Tyler Conklin down at 3,200. And then KJ Osborne, do you think that people could punt him, or is that more like just a cash play for you? He's really tricky. He's 3.3K, so he's all the way down there. But, I mean, we all, all offseason it was like, all right, this is a 12 personnel team. They're going to run two tight end sets. And then all of a sudden they came out and they played 11 personnel, which is three wide receivers almost every play. So, again, we don't really know if that's just one week or if that's what they are. But you could get ahead of the curve if you want to and play him as a punt, you know, low rostered, like 5% type guy in GPPs. The only question I have is like, what is his upside? Is he... Does he have enough upside to help you win in a tournament? I think in small field, probably. In the million maker, probably not. Yeah, I just can't see him like fully getting there. But in cash, I think he's totally fine. Um, this game is is tough for me. It's tough for me to crack. Like I can, my pick feels great. Like I have the Vikings plus three and a half on some books. It is still four and a half. So I like the Vikings in that regard. But it's one of those games where you're having to pay up for Kyler. Hopkins is the most expensive wide receiver on the slate. Uh, I just, I can't find a way to get too different here other than maybe asking Rondell Moore or Christian Kirk, Christian Kirk to do it again. So I, I think that's the only way that that really is going to hit like in a full game stack. So I actually don't mind the under in this game. And, uh, but I'll take the Vikings plus three and a half. Yeah. Me, the Vikings as well. All right. Hopefully my boys can bring it back this week. My Falcons at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Buccaneers are only a small 12 and a half point home favorite. No big deal. And uh, this game has a 52 and a half point implied total. So 12 points. That's a lot. 12 and a half is actually a ton. If for those of you that aren't used to betting world, like that is a lot of points to be able to lay, even though they are at home. But this game is interesting. There's it, We love the receivers for the Bucks. I'm still in on Calvin Ridley. I think Kyle Pitts can bounce back, but those are the main guys that we really care about. I don't really want to touch the running games for either, uh, but who are your main plays for wide receiver that stand out? Yeah, before we touch on that, I just, I mean, come on. I, I had to put this on the show, Doc. We, there's a section for our running backs in each matchup, and I just wrote, who cares? Like, don't play Ronald Jones. Don't listen to Bruce Arians. It's not happening. And if you want to play uh, Len, be my guest, but I will not be doing it. I am with you, though, as far as this is a really interesting game because it's got a huge total at 52 and a half. The wide receivers here, I mean, they're elite when you talk about Ridley and Goblin and Evans and Antonio Brown. Um, there's a lot to like, but I don't think a lot of people are going to be playing either a full game stack or a mini stack here, which I'm really intrigued by. So, yeah, when you look at, I mean, the, the Tampa side of the ball, it's not easy to see a path to success for any of these three guys. I mean, it's the Falcons. I'm sorry, Kyle. Their secondary is bad, and, and Tom Brady is the best to ever do it. And we saw him just roast the Cowboys last week. So I like all three. I think Goblin's going to be the most popular, but I feel like the narrative around Mike Evans that I've heard from other people this week is like, well, Tom Brady's going to make sure his guy gets his as well at some point. So I like Mike Evans. He's cheap. He's 6.1K on DraftKings, and he's got a good tag on FanDuel as well, where touchdowns matter so much. So I could easily see Mike Evans getting there in this game. I love Antonio Brown this week. I just, he's getting the type of targets you want. Last year against the Falcons, my Falcons, week 15, he went five for 93 and one 
on seven targets. And then in week 17, he just added a, a, a ho-hum 11, 138, and two on 15 targets. So he has destroyed the Falcons last two times they played each other. Not saying that's just going to be a copy and paste, but he's coming in around four or 5%. And it wouldn't shock me if any of these guys are their best receiver fantasy-wise this week. And you, and if you're going to take the guy that's the cheapest, that's coming in the lowest rostered, then for GPPs, it makes a ton of sense. So take Tom Brady and then stack him with two Tampa Bay wide receivers. If you want to do Gronk instead, I think that's totally fine, especially on DK at 4.7. Like you can do that. I probably will stay away from Gronk or at least be underweight, but I love Antonio Brown. And then on the Falcons side, I don't mind Matt Ryan. Like Matt Ryan is $5,600. He looked terrible last week, but the Falcons played the Buccaneers pretty close last year. Uh, going into the fourth quarter of both of those games, like it was either tied or it was just one score. So these teams offensively can keep up with each other. It just matters how you want to stack it on the Atlanta side. So can we go back to Calvin Ridley? Oh man, Max Payne in, in cash lineups last week for me with Calvin Ridley. But I do think this is a great spot for him. Um, his tag on FanDuel is awesome. It's 7.7 over there. And then on DK is 7,500. So again, he's not that much more expensive. He's a great value there. And I think with a lot of the roster percentage at wide receiver being so obvious this week, it's like, yeah, play, you know, Keenan, play the Cowboys wide receivers, go get DK Metcalf on FanDuel. Like I think Calvin Ridley is going to get lost in the shuffle this week. I could see him being like 5% in tournaments. And for a player that's as good as Calvin Ridley is, I will take him as a bring back if you're going with Tom Brady stacks. I'll mention Kyle Pitts. It's almost weird for me when I talk about Falcons games because people assume it's just a homer. Uh, I'll just say this from a football perspective. There were some encouraging signs in the sense of him running routes. I think he saw uh, he was targeted on 25.8% of his routes. So that's a really encouraging number. Uh, Like he was getting the type of looks that we want. He was out in the field. Um, So we care about that with Kyle Pitts. And on FanDuel, he's only 5,500. So in GPPs, if you wanted to stack this game, like I mentioned, Tom Brady, two pass catchers, and then either Pitts or Ridley or Pitts and Ridley, then uh, you're saying this game is going to hit the over. So what is your take on the line? Yeah, it's just a divisional game. I know Tom Brady is is fantastic, and I know the Falcons looked terrible last week, but 12 and a half points is a lot. So I'll take the points with Atlanta. I think they can cover. I will take the points in Atlanta. And hey, don't forget, I was against them last week. and. Eagles won. So uh, I've been enjoying my chores. I, I was going to say which, that. What's your chore of the day? So I have a list. Um, I still need to mop. I hate mopping. That's Emma's thing. And so that's one of the things like all the downstairs hardwoods. Uh, it's on my list to do. That'll be fun. Today. Maybe, be maybe I'll do that instead of watch the Thursday night game. <laughs> You're probably not going to miss too much. All right, last game we're going to talk about stacking. It is the Tennessee Titans at the Seattle Seahawks, which might be... Dude, that might be our team this year in terms of DFS that you and I are just, we've been all all in this offseason. We love them. We loved them last week. And I don't mind going back to them this week. Like, what did you see in week one that was encouraging from like a Russ standpoint? Yeah, I mean, it was just, we talked about it with Shane Waldron. Like, like people were kind of waiting to see, like, is he going to throw the ball with, with Russ? Is he going to let him do his thing? Is he going to let him cook? Are they going to be efficient? Um, or is it going to be Pete Carroll telling them they have to run the football? And we saw... Russell Wilson just be extremely efficient. The entire team really was efficient last week with Shane Waldron. They averaged 7.2 yards per play last week. Last year, they averaged 5.8. So if that's what's going to be 
the Seahawks this year, like against the Titans at home, returning to play in front of the 12s. Like I'm super excited about Russ Stacks again because no one is playing Russell Wilson or Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf on DraftKings. I do think on FanDuel, DK is going to be popular, but on DraftKings, no one is stacking Russ. And if you're going to give me Russ at single digit percentage, as well as his two stud pass catchers, I'm all in. With quarterbacks, their roster percentages stay relatively low. So like on DraftKings right now, we have Russ at like 5%, which you might hear that and go, whoa, that's really that's really low. It's more of what Betts is saying. When you combine Russ with Lockett and Metcalf, and those three are combined like, I don't know, 17, 18%, like you're, you're getting a leg up on the field compared to Herbert and Keenan Allen. Like that's going to be 35%. Like you're just, you're saving a ton there and, and you're differentiating yourself from the field. So I love what I saw from Russ. They were throwing early and often. I mentioned that in the pace of play article, like first and second down teams that throw effectively on first and second down, uh, they just get ahead. And so Russell Wilson actually had terrible third down stats last year in the first half because they were so efficient on first and second down. So that's what we care about. That's why we like these uh, we like these teams. Chris Carson is interesting this week because of his price. And I think that he's going to carry some roster percentage in that teen range, like 12, 13, 14, 15, somewhere around there. Uh, how do you feel about Chris Carson in this game if you didn't do Russell Wilson stacks? Yeah, I love him. I think he's a great GPP player this week. Um, you know, he's a guy that we've seen him get work in the past, and when he has, he succeeded. In his career, when he sees 15 plus carries, he averages 91 yards and 17 PPR points. So we we can project him, I think, for a safe volume. This is a team that is favored by five and a half points. They're playing at home. We love that for our running backs. And Rashad Penny is out with the calf injury. So it's not difficult to see a path to success for Chris Carson in this matchup. I absolutely love him this week in GPPs. He's also at that price point where there's a lot of guys, you know, Zeke at 6.2, Najee is 6.3. There's just other guys, David Montgomery, 6.1. There's a lot of guys in that range. And so I think he's going to be in the mix of that group. If you played Carson in a GPP, are you basically saying like, okay, the, the way that this game actually, you know, plays out is I want Tannehill stacks and I'm running it back with Carson. Or are you saying I want Carson and this game hits the under? No, I think I am going to bring it back with the Titans. And I think last week, like our process of stacking, like going with the Cardinals Titans game stack was right. I mean, the Cardinals did what they were supposed to do and they just didn't push the Titans to do enough. They just couldn't get anything going. And so I think that there is a path to Tannehill surprising people after a really down week. And then, you know, again, no one is playing AJ Brown or Julio after what they saw last week. So I think that makes a lot of sense. If you say that the Seahawks win this game handedly, it's probably because the Seahawks got there in the first half or early in the game. And then all of a sudden, the second half, they have to throw the ball out with Tannehill. The Yeti, Derrick Henry, is the top point per dollar value on Fandle. So he's going to be a lot more popular on Fandle. On DraftKings, where he doesn't catch the ball as much, although, dude, he did see some targets last week. Uh, he's 8.3. And Derrick Henry's coming in around that 5 6% range. What do we do with Derrick Henry when he's sub 10%? It's like Dalvin Cook. I mean, you just you take these guys in spots where you can see a path to them having a good game and play them when no one else is playing them because it's it's not fun to play Derrick Henry when everyone else is doing it. You, you don't get any leverage. And this is the week I think it could happen. Um, same with Dalvin. I'll play a, a couple shares of Derrick Henry and GPPs. 
Okay, so A.J. Brown's going to come in a lot more popular than Julio Jones. I think the narrative is, oh, we saw a game from Julio. He's done. He looks toasted. If you were to get Julio at, say, 3-4%, are you interested in GPPs? Absolutely. I'm interested in all these guys, honestly, this week. Now, I'm not going to full game stack this, I don't think. Or maybe, maybe I will if I go Russ. But um, there's a lot of, I think, mini correlations here that make a ton of sense that you can still get different with this game and then still go get guys in like, you know, the Chargers game and, and those kind of things. So I, I like that a lot if, if they're both coming in at single digits. I don't want anything to do with Ferk Daddy Fresh, which is what I've been calling him now. He's, his name's evolving, by the way, Anthony Ferk, sir. But uh, I'm not really looking his way this week. Uh, Gerald Everett did fine last week, but it seems like Will Disley is going to be more involved than even I thought. But last last thought, what do you think the difference between Lockett and Metcalf is this week? Let's say Lockett comes in around 8 9%, Metcalf at 5 6%. Is that enough of a distance for you? Because their pricing's fairly similar, except for obviously DK Metcalf on FanDuel. Yeah, I think this is a DraftKings-specific conversation because I'm going to play DK Metcalf. He's just so cheap on FanDuel. So, yeah, I think that difference is probably... I mean, it's probably warranted. Like, I think most weeks people would say that they're more excited to play DK Metcalf than Tyler Lockett, but don't get it twisted. Like, Tyler Lockett is still a stud who can come out and put up huge performances like we saw last week. So, yes, I want exposure to both these guys this week in tournaments. Yes. Yeah, so for me, if I was going to go Russ, I'd go Russ, and I don't mind double stacking with Lockett and Metcalf uh, or Russ and pick one of those guys and run it back with AJ Brown or, or Julio. And then if... I really wanted to get different. I would go Derrick Henry and uh, basically say, like, here's how all the points are going to flow. But um, if you wanted to triple stack and say Tannehill, Henry, Julio Jones, and then run it back with Lockett, I think that's totally viable. There's just a lot of different ways to get there in this game. Um, so I like all the pieces here. Not really sure how it's going to go. But right now, I, the only thing I feel confident is it hitting the over. I like the over in this game. Yeah, I think it's a good call, too. I also, uh, on the other side of this, from a spread perspective, I think the Titans can keep it close. Again, it was a one-week sample. They looked horrible, but I'll take the Titans. They get five and a half points against Seattle. Ooh, I'll throw in a sneaky play. This is super sneaky. Could not work. But if you wanted to stack Chris Carson in the Seattle defense and just say this game hits the under, Seattle defense gets a ton of turnovers against a terrible Tennessee offensive line. I don't hate it. The correlation's not crazy good. So we usually don't recommend it. But if I just said, let me X out this game other than Carson and the Seattle defense, I think uh, I think that could work. Let's battle it out. DFS Battle Royale. Let's pour one out for our buddy. Um, because last week I went four and one. And one of those victories was thanks to our boy, Jerry Devaris Judy. Uh, Jerry Judy was tearing it up in the first half. And uh, it kind of stinks because I was excited to continue to play in this year. But uh, last week I won four to one in terms of these matchups. So let's see if bets can get back in it. But every week for Battle Royale, we give a couple of categories that hopefully can help you at home configure your lineup. So the first one, bets, give me a stacking cornerback, a quarterback that's super cheap under 6K. Dude, how about our boy, Teddy Two Gloves? I feel like for, at one point he was the official quarterback <laughs> of this podcast. Uh, he is cheap. He is 5.4K on DraftKings. 
taking on the fighting Urban Myers this week in Jacksonville. Um, they just made Tyrod Taylor look like Patrick Mahomes. I mean, come on. So, yes, I'll take Teddy. It's kind of stinks that Jerry Judy's out for his upside, obviously, but I think at his price tag, he'll be able to give you enough points that he could be good this weekend. And I like, you know, KJ Hamler, obviously, Corton Sutton, Noah Fan. He's still got pieces around him. So, give me Teddy. I'll go with Matt Ryan, 5,600. You know, he is always a candidate for 300. Uh, so on DraftKings, I don't mind him, and he's probably coming in around 1%. Nobody wants to play him after how bad the Falcons were last week. After their first two drives, it was maybe the worst team in football. So Matt Ryan is a stacking quarterback. If you really wanted to get different in a large field uh, at, I don't know, maybe even sub 1%. All right, give me a cash game running back under 7K, and I'm going to say we can't say Najee Harris because he's going to be kind of the chalk answer. Sure, yeah. Give me the other Harris then. How about that? I'll take Damian Harris, Harris. The Harris Bros, yes. I'll take Damian Harris. I think I'll, I'm more likely to play him. I'm, I'll definitely play him on FanDuel and Cash, but I think in terms of tournaments, I like Damian Harris. I mean, 5.4K on DraftKings going up against the Jets. And I think we saw last week what we wanted to see from Damian Harris, when it, which is when the Patriots get ahead in the game, they're going to feed Damian Harris. He had 26 total opportunities, 100 yards rushing, um, and Vegas is telling us the Patriots going to win this game. So I like Damian Harris this week. Yeah. And he saw the highest, you know, snaps of his career. So like, it was very clear he wanted to get involved. You can run the narrative, but yeah, I don't mind Damian Harris at all in cash. I'll say Darrell Henderson at 5,700. He saw a ton of work last week. Sony Michelle saw one carry and that price is pretty nice on DK. Um, and I think he saw 91% of the snaps. So he was the guy, and that's what you wanted to see with Sean McVay. If there's a guy, and he's going to ride him. So uh, we we didn't really talk about that Rams-Indianapolis game, but there's a lot of pieces on the Rams side. Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Terrell Henderson that we really like. All right, give me a dart throw, like a cheap wide receiver that you like. Yeah, this is these two guys I've already talked about, so I'll just be real quick with them. My official answer, as long as you okay this, because he is 4K, is, is Manuel Sanders. You said the category is under 4K, so we'll we'll take him there. But the honorable mention, if you if you told me that that wasn't going to work, would be Hunter Renfro. I'm gonna go with Jalen Guyton, who's the wide receiver three. It seems like he's running way ahead of Joshua Palmer, and uh, last year he got a lot of deep targets that were good for fantasy, at least when they connected. He's 3100. We love that Chargers game. Most people are going to be playing Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. I get it. But if I can get Jalen Guyton under 2% in a highest total of the week, then maybe he gets a long bomb and, and gets a touchdown. So Jalen Guyton, I've, I, I, I'm kind of a sucker for him. I've wrote him up a couple times last year, and, uh, and I just like the Chargers. So uh, punt tight end. Yep, I'm going to go back to Troutman. 3K this week on DraftKings. Like I said, he's the he's running the routes that you want to see at the tight end position for the Saints. And I think we could see Jameis throw the ball more than 20 times this week. He barely had to do anything last week. So give me Troutman. He's cheap. No, I like that call. Um, I mentioned him on the Tuesday show. The Irish smaller James O'Shaughnessy is 2.7K. I don't love punting tight end this week. I got Waller and Kittle are great options. And then I mentioned Higby and Goddard and you mentioned Noah Fant. So I like kind of that tier a little bit more. Um, but James O'Shaughnessy, please be a thing so I can use that nickname more this year. All right. Give me a sneaky DST that's under 3K. Yeah, I'll take the Cardinals. They are 2.6K on DraftKings. They're going up against 
the Vikings, and I don't know that we can expect Chandler Jones to have, what was it, five sacks in every game this year, but he and J.J. Watt look primed for success, and Minnesota certainly struggles in terms of their uh, offensive line. Kirk Cousins, an absolute statue in the pocket, and if this game goes the way Vegas is projecting, which is Cardinals win, we could see Kirk Cousins have to drop back a ton in the second half, creating a lot of opportunities for sacks and turnovers, things like that. Yeah, I don't mind that call at all. I'll mention the Bengals at 2.9. I don't love them, but it's against Andy Dalton in a revenge game against Andy Dalton, which uh, means a ton for DFS. It doesn't. It means everything. Uh, so Bengals, they don't have a super talented defense. There's not a lot of great options this week as I was scrolling through it earlier. It's like, uh, we mentioned the Jets as a punt play, but it's like, I don't really want to play them. So uh, this is a week to get different at defense. In fact, probably every week is a week to get different because uh, you don't want to follow the chalk defenses. All right, before we close, let's go through a couple of mailbag questions. Mailbag. You can send in your questions. Uh, it's really hard for us to give lineup advice because we're probably playing against you. Um, <laughs> but we will give overarching ideas, and I think some of you guys brought in some great questions. We love those screenshots afterward. Uh, those are really helpful if you want to show us those and kind of show if your lineup cashed. Do not screenshot us, please, uh, while you're in the middle of yours. Like if you're like five minutes in, you're like, look, it's like, dude, we got a lot, a lot of time. Um, I had a friend first week playing DFS and like 10 minutes in, he shows me his lineup. I was like, dude, we got a long way to go uh, <laughs> on uh, on that. So, um, you can send in your questions. I am at Kyle underscore Borg. Betts is at the Fantasy PT. And you get all of our advice in the DFS pass. But the first one comes in from Bobby Peril. He says, after last week, where a lot of guys busted, how do you mentally prepare yourself to trust the process and potentially play the same way for week two? Yeah, this is a good question. Um, it was, this is one that I can answer because this was me last week. I did not have a good week the first week. But we talked about all offseason in terms of having a long-term mindset, knowing that there's going to be weeks where you lose, and that's just the way this goes. So, yeah, I think you definitely should trust your process and your research. And, you know, I definitely trust what Kyle and I are doing for sure. So I'll be going back to kind of the similar strategy, especially in cash, trying to find plays that are high projected volume at good price tags. And usually that works out a lot because our opponents are going to make mistakes. And if your process is sound, it'll pay off more than not. Football just has a huge context. Like, we're playing one game at a time one week, but there's just so many parts to it each week. Like there's so many parts where you brought up a stat earlier. It's like Justin Jefferson was tackled on the one yard line. Well, if you would have scored, that would have felt so different in GPPs. There's just so many different things like that. And so football is a volatile sport. And so you're getting a small sample size. That's why it's so easy to go back to someone like Najee Harris, because we can say, dude was seeing all the opportunities and it didn't work out, but the Steelers won. And we think that he's a great play this week against the Raiders. So for me, I think it's not trusting my player takes as much. It's trusting the fact that if I'm seeing this as a game, then I know that random things will happen. It's actually okay with me now, where before I would get so frustrated if my guys and my player takes didn't hit. I'd know that my player takes are going to be wrong. And so more often than not, I get to kind of see the football aspect of it as things just happen. People get injured. Raheem Mostert, my cash game running back, got injured after two rush attempts. And I know that that actually happens. So I was fortunate enough to cash last week, 
but that's part of the game too. So um, make sure you have somebody else that you can share this with because Betts, Betts would text me and be like, dude, I got to go with Waddle. I got to gotta switch this up. And I think you had the right mindset though, that you basically were like, I'm going to go all in for this, even though it's not working out. Yep, for sure. And I think you you hit the nail on the head with this. Like a lot of people, the most common question we get from people is, who who's the play? Who's the guy? And if we were telling you just play this one or two players every week, we might be right two weeks out of the year, but we're going to lose a lot. So I think under, understanding that deeper mindset and deeper outlook of football in this game, it is a game that things are going to happen that you don't see coming out of anywhere. So that will happen a lot. And that's why understanding game stacks and correlation is going to pay off more for you than simple player takes. Next one from Kevin Dawes. How big of a factor are snap count and target share rates when choosing players to roster? Currently going through stats at the moment, and I'm not sure where to correlate. Thanks for all the content, guys. I'll first give a caveat. We are one week in, so, you know, it's really hard to be able to just take one week's worth of data and be able to use it for matchups and whatnot. But for target share, like for instance, KJ Osborne, that guy was running routes. That guy was being targeted. It wasn't really that fluky considering they were running 11 personnel. That That's meaningful to me where like anybody can luck into like seven targets in a week. Like they're going to happen like that. But how often was this person on the field and how often were they running routes? Like that, that kind of stuff matters to me. Yeah, it matters a ton. And I think as well, this offseason in the article I was looking at too, I want to point people back to it's it's how to attack the wide receiver position in DFS. Got to give a shout out to Chris Raybon who wrote this up a couple of years ago when he was still with four for four. But I was going to do the research myself and he had an awesome article. So I just referenced it because it was great work. And it talked about how on a short sample, like looking at two, three, four weeks in a row, if a player is seeing targets consistently in that short time span, the predictive uh, ability for the next week is pretty high. So target share matters when you talk about um, what's happening over a smaller sample size versus you know week to week or kind of like week three versus week eight. I mean, so much changes in that time. So I don't want you to extrapolate this out too far, but I do think targets are something that's extremely valuable. Of course, I mean, if you're not getting thrown the ball, you're not going to score touchdowns and, and catch points. So it's huge. So, for instance, Brian Edwards on that Monday night game. All right. So he ended, I think, four for 81. You might look at the final stat line, but okay, this is this is not bad. He's still really cheap this week. He's 3,700. He had a 9% target share. In fact, like his target share was pretty bad over the first three quarters. So that's something that you can look at and go, okay, when did the targets come? That really matters to me. And then the broad scope of things, like unless that game goes to overtime, like we would not be talking about Brian Edwards at all. Uh, this week so they really matter and then for tight ends man I need to know if they're running routes like you know Chris Manhurts scored the touchdown for the Jaguars but James O'Shaughnessy ran the third most routes so who's more valuable Uh, or same thing you brought up Troutman Troutman versus Juwan Johnson like it was very clear Troutman had a better opportunity and that's more predictive moving forward than catching two touchdowns so I think you're you're on the right track it's just maybe weeding out things that are just noise and also seeing what's just a one game sample size. Last question from Julia Smith. This is a great question because I get this a lot from people. How do I choose a lineup for a small field FanDuel tournament, maybe with 20 or less people and the top three place? So in those smaller fields, should I be looking more at GPP or cash options? And just think about, maybe we should clarify, 20 people is pretty small 
Like you're not hitting, you're not having to hit a crazy high score. Yeah. It's, I mean, I'm mostly treating this as a cash game for sure. I mean, 20 people, you don't have to be that different to succeed in these formats. And I think that's a general concept for people is like the smaller the contest, the more you can play to the quote unquote best plays because you don't have to be perfect. You can get a couple of things wrong and that's okay because you're putting out a high floor lineup that also has really strong plays in it to help get you there. So I think a good take home, the smaller the contest, be willing to play a couple more chalk plays. And this week, if you're trying to look at some different contests, there are winner take all contests on DraftKings and FanDuel that are small, like super small fields. Uh, So that might be something to look into if you're like, hey, how do I, I want to be a part of something like that. I want to use my cash game lineup and maybe tweak one or two plays just to have fun. Uh, I think that's a really worthwhile thing. But speaking of contests, let's talk about our listener contest. Fantasy Faceoff, presented by DraftKings. Each week at the end of our episode, we will invite you to join us at ballersdfs.com. And we get to open up a couple different contests, but we also get to highlight some of our listeners and people that join the league and the ones that won in the first week. So I'm going to give a shout out and maybe you can uh, tell what this person did right bets to Peekaboo Sniper. Peekaboo Sniper won our week one contest, the free contest that you could join um, with 181 points. So what did you like most about his lineup? Yeah, this lineup's great. I mean, there's a lot of correlation. The Herbert double stack with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams is fantastic. And he brought it back with Antonio Gibson. That's fantastic. And Mike Williams sitting there at 0.7%, Keenan Allen at 6.1%. But the, the real beauty in this contest in this lineup is that this player didn't just go, I have to have all 5% guys in my lineup. He played a couple of chalky guys that were good plays. Christian McCaffrey, great, 23%. He smashed. Corey Davis, 20% player. He smashed like it's okay to kind of mix and match there. And I think that that lineup is is what we should be looking for with with GPPs. Some off the wall contrarian plays and a lot of cash plays in there as well. It's it's a great lineup. I think a lot of people in giant fields like that feel like they have to get so different. And when you add up their roster percentages, it's like, oh, you ended up at like 50% total. And there's a reason why some players have two to three percent roster percentage because they're not good plays. So it's okay to play chalky guys like McCaffrey, like you said, as long as you're getting different elsewhere. And I'll just throw out there, I love the TJ Hawkinson call. Um, Obviously, that paid off really well. Uh, But at tight end, it's really key. If you're going to pay up for somebody like that, then they got to hit. So TJ Hawkinson was great. And then I want to highlight one more. This was from our Monday night contest. Um, Monday nights are hard because you basically have to get the right combination perfect. But MTL twenty three twenty three won that contest, uh, the Baltimore and Las Vegas one with Darren Waller as the captain, and your boy Hunter Renfro was in there. I mean, it's got Renfro. It's automatically a great. I mean, it's great. It's a great lineup. <laughs> no, but it really is good. Uh, the the leverage on uh, Lamar Jackson, who was going to be such a popular captain choice this week. This player went with Darren Waller, who smashed, stacked him with Derek Carr, and then I think. You again played really good plays as well. Lamar Jackson was a great play. Tyson Williams, great play. And then got different, which is really the key. You're looking at Hunter Renfro, who was cheap, 
And then Zay Jones, 5% rostered. Of course, all of his production pretty much came on the final play of the game, but uh, it's, it's a strong lineup. And really in those shutdown contests, that's where you kind of have to throw a dart and just kind of hope that you're different and you have that Zay Jones in your lineup this week. So yeah, it's a, it's a great lineup for sure. We're going to keep releasing contests each week. Uh, I've already have three that went full within a span of like 10 minutes. So we will keep opening up contests. Make sure that you have notifications on for DraftKings and you will get a notification from our listener league, Borg Plus Bets. Uh, it's a great, great time to invite your friends. If like, hey, you're learning DFS, you can join and be a part of that. So join us at ballersdfs.com. And Bets, I am looking forward to week two. I am as well. Let's hope for me it's better than week one. And hopefully you guys bring it home as well here in week two. We'll see you guys next week. Good luck. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.